Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So today I want to talk to you about the power of God, the power of God that is present in your life, the power of God that is able to affect change in your life, that's able to help you overcome the challenges, the obstacles, the struggles, the addictions, whatever it may be that you've been facing in your life. We have this power, we have this ability, and it comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. This is something that the Bible spoke about for many centuries, that people longed for the time when God's Holy Spirit would be able to take up residence in people's lives. And it was finally poured out on the day of Pentecost, which happens to be today, some 2,000 plus years ago, the Holy Spirit was poured out onto all flesh. Now, what does that even mean? And what is that? what relevance does that have for our lives, for us living here in the year 2020, uh, you know, so many millennia later and, and uh, with so many, such a different world right now? What does it mean to us? What does the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit mean to our lives Personally, we're going to look at that today in this message that I want to share with you entitled, He is our baptizer. We're still talking about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. It's always only about Jesus. It's by His life, His death, His resurrection, uh, what He has given us, the righteousness we've received from Him, and also how He baptizes us with power, with fire, and with the Holy Spirit, and, and, uh, and, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit today, so stick with us. God has always been in the business of helping people, of empowering us to live the lives that we couldn't live in our own strength, and God calls us to depend not in our own strength, but in His, and to walk according to His grace and by the power of His Holy Spirit. That's His Spirit, that's His presence, that, that's God Himself with us, taking up residence within us. This is something that God has, has always done and always will do. He empowers people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. It was what is known as the anointing. When the anointing comes upon them, then the Spirit of God rushes upon them like he did on Samson. In that moment that Samson was attacked by a lion, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God rushed upon him and he tore the lion into pieces. And that was a strength that wasn't Samson's strength. It was God's strength on Samson's life. And you can have God's strength on your life. The promise was that a day would come when the Holy Spirit would not just anoint us externally, would not just rush upon us in a moment, but would take up residence within our souls, within our spirits, within our bodies, that we would become temples of the Holy Spirit, God's power, God's spirit, God's presence himself within us. And that this would fundamentally change not only the way that we live our lives, not only our behaviors and our actions and our abilities, but it would change us. It would change us as people. As we behold Jesus face to face, we are transformed from glory to glory into his image by the Spirit of God. And so God's Holy Spirit, when he enters our lives, begins to change us. This is how true change happens. This is how long-lasting 
change happens. This is how we're able to go from being one kind of person. And as we look at Jesus and we understand our identity and what he has done for us on the cross, the Holy Spirit affects that change over time in our lives in a miraculous way until we look different. The problem for most people is that when you speak about the Holy Spirit, they have no real reference for it. You know, when we talk about God as a father, we have reference for the father. When we speak about Jesus, we have a historical person that lived and we have historical records of his life uh, that we can refer to and we understand that he was human like us. And so it's easy for us to understand those two references. But when we speak about the Holy Spirit, it's almost like people just don't even register what that even means or what, wh who that even is or what it even means to our lives. I remember when I was in grade 11 in high school, I used to carry a little Bible around in my pocket um, that the Gideon's Bible Society <laughs> handed out at my school. And I had a friend that had grown up in a church tradition that just never really spoke about the Holy Spirit. They always spoke about God. They always spoke about the Father. They spoke about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit was kind of left out of the equation. And what I did is I started to share with him about the Holy Spirit and about what God's Holy Spirit could do in his life and through his life. And we would sit next to each other in history class. And I'd take out that little Bible and I'd open it up. And I said to him, let's just read the book of Acts. And let's see how often the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And every time we see the name of the Holy Spirit, we stop and we talk about it. And so I think my history teacher realized that at least I was doing some sort of history. And, um, and so she kind of just let us be. And for more than a term, every single history lesson, we would get there. I'd take out the Bible and we'd go through the book of Acts. And at one point, I remember him turning to me and saying, why has my church never taught me this? Why have I never heard about this? Why have I never heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of God in this way? Why has this not been brought to my attention? And this led to a change in his life where eventually he went from somebody that attended church to somebody that really met with Jesus and somebody that gave his life, surrendered his life to Jesus and who then received the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. That was an amazing thing to be a part of, amazing story and testimony to be a part of. But for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit is just this thing that we don't really know what it's all about. This concept, this idea that sounds a little strange to us and we have no reference for it. And this reminded me of a time that I was watching my oldest boy. He was a little bit younger and uh, he was doing golf lessons and they were happening at his school on a Friday afternoon after school. And so one Friday afternoon, I'm sitting on the steps watching him play golf and I start talking to his coach. And as I'm talking to his coach, um, one uh, of the other boys' moms comes over and she says something to me. But for the life of me, I had no idea what she said. I didn't know if she just made an offhand comment, if she was just saying, you know, but I didn't want to be kind of awkward and say, sorry, I have no idea what you just said. Can you please repeat that? And so I did what I think many of us have done when we haven't really heard what the person speaking to us have said, is that I gave a little giggle as if she had said something funny. I don't know why I decided to go with that, but I did. The problem was the coach followed my lead he clearly didn't hear her either. And so he gave a little chuckle as well. And so here we are both laughing and, um, and, and we didn't actually know what she said. Anyways, the mom then repeated herself and it turns out she was asking me whether she could get something for my son to drink 
from the tuck shop, which was <laughs> really awkward that I had laughed at her initial request. But talking about the Holy Spirit can leave people kind of equally stumped. They hear about it and they're, they're not sure whether or not they should say just say yes or give a little giggle, like just be polite and then move on with other things that are easier to define, like the earthly life of Jesus or the development of the early church. You know, there's certain things that just are easier to define for us in our human terms. But this is actually an important truth for us to understand. We need to know God's Holy Spirit. We need to be able to have fellowship with His Holy Spirit and operate according to the Holy Spirit. See, God is a triune God. That means that even though He is one God, He has three distinct yet indivisible parts. They're all equally God, all completely one, but also three distinct persons. Remember, God is not a concept. He's not a thing. He's not a philosophy. He's not a force. He's a person, a person with a personality, a person that, that is a perfect person, but a person still. And so just like you and I have a body and a soul and a spirit that are three separate parts of us, yet one same person, in that same way, God has three parts, each fulfilling distinct roles, but each part fully being God. This is a little bit of a mind bender, but that's the concept of the Trinity. And each part of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is worthy of our worship and our obedience. It's God. We see this many times when, when, when God speaks, for example, in Genesis, that he refers to himself in the plural sense. He says, let us make man in our image. Later on uh, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah overhears God speaking in the throne room saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? There's the singular and the trinity. And so in Genesis 1 verse 2, we see the Holy Spirit has always been a part of God's working, has always been God, has always been a part of creation, has always been interacting with us. In Genesis 1, 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. This is a creation. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so as the Father spoke the word, the Holy Spirit enacted it, and so the Holy Spirit is God's agency, God's action, God's presence, God's power. It is God. And so one of these prophecies that we have in the Old Testament that declared how God would empower people in the days that are to come is actually quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And it's found in the book of Joel, chapter number 2. And verse 28, and this is such an important scripture because for people living at the time, it would have been impossible to have conceived that God's spirit could take up residence in normal, ordinary people like us. But yet this was God's presence. We find it in Joel chapter number two and verse 28. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, God says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So God promised, not just there, but in other places in the Old Testament, that a time is coming 
where he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. This prophecy, in essence, was saying that rather than the Holy Spirit just anointing people for short bursts or short periods of time, a moment of anointing to accomplish a task, that God was going to unleash or pour out his Holy Spirit completely. And as you can clearly see here in the book of Joel, that that outpouring was going to enable men and women, young and old, to operate, to see, and to hear, and to live in a supernatural way. We were going to receive God's Holy Spirit. You see, for us as spirit-filled, spirit-empowered believers that have received that outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, we are no longer subject to just every wind of culture, to every whim, to every new thought or philosophy or the limitations of our natural humanity. No, we live supernatural lives with a supernatural ability. Super just means above the natural, bigger than the natural. That's what we have. We see and we hear from God. We move in and by His power in our lives. You don't have to earn this. You don't have to be good enough for this. You simply have to receive this gift. It was promised in the Old Testament. Look at how Jesus even said this. In John 14, verse 16, this is before the day of Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit is poured out. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, capital H, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus was referring to this outpouring that right now we, you know, at that time, um, in, in before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people could operate and hear and, and have the presence of the Holy Spirit with them, but not within them. And this is something that happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. John the Baptist was the final Old Testament prophet, the final prophet that prophesied and made straight the coming of Jesus. And he was there when Jesus arrived. And Jesus and, and, and John the Baptist said this about Jesus. In Matthew 3, verse 11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance so that you know that you need to turn to God. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That is why Jesus is our baptizer. He is the one that does the baptizing. And that word baptize, it just it, it's the Greek word that means to immerse, to completely put under or, or to completely drown or saturate in or be permeated with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Before that time, before the life of Jesus, we could never have received God's spirit in this way because we were sinful. And so that's why he said that, that John the Baptist preaches repentance, but then comes the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we will see this come up again a little bit later on the day of Pentecost. But after Jesus had died on the cross, 
and been raised from the dead. He said this to his followers in Acts 1. This is shortly before he was going to ascend into heaven. And he says here, it says in, in verse 1, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall receive power. What is going to happen when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, we have a great commission to go and to preach the gospel, to go and be the people that God has called us to be. But Jesus says, before you will be able to do it, you won't be able to do it unless you receive the presence, the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He enables us to be the witnesses. He empowers us to live the life God has called us to live. So Jesus tells his followers, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, in an instant, in a moment, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire room where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is supernatural. This is something that is more than just a philosophy. It's more than just a thought. And this really differentiates what we believe as Christians and what the gospel declares from so much of the other philosophies of our time and of times past. This is not just a way of thinking. This is a way of being empowered by God's spirit. This is actually God being present within us. And the problem with us as Christians many of us, is that we are trying to fulfill a supernatural mandate with a natural mindset or a supernatural calling with a natural effort. We're trying to do it in a human way, but it's not human. It's divine. If you're going to live the life that God has called you to live, you need to receive God's ability to do so. And that ability comes through the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that when Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out in this moment, it looked like fire. It looked like, it sounded like wind. Something powerful, something that rushed into the room, something that, that brought about the fuel of change. It led people to speak boldly the things of God to witness and to testify and to prophesy, to operate in the supernatural. That's really the fuel of the believer. When the Holy Spirit comes and applies the power of God in our lives, it changes us and it gives us the ability to go beyond ourselves. I don't have what it takes. You may have said that. I don't have what it takes to run my business. I don't have what it takes to deal with, with another week of lockdown. I don't have what it takes to be a better parent. I don't have what it takes to break free from this addiction. I don't have what it takes 
to be the person God has asked me to be. But Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is poured out. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, which is dynamite. It's where we get our word dynamite from, explosive power. And the scriptures tell us that that is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised the dead works in us also. So nothing is impossible for those who believe. There was such a ruckus on this day as the Holy Spirit is poured out and everybody's prophesying and speaking in this heavenly language known as tongues, just talking and, and declaring and prophesying and testifying that the people thought that the disciples were drunk. They thought that they had had too much wine. They had got the party started early and they all got together saying that these guys are drunk. And Peter gets up and he says, it's only the ninth hour of the day. We are not drunk as you suppose. But this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. And he actually quotes that scripture that God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he has done it. He has fulfilled that promise. A crowd gathers around and Peter gets up and he continues his sermon at this time. This, this great uh, speech that he gives on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts 2 verse 38 he says this, it says, Peter said to them, repent, there it is again, turn to God and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's talking about water baptism and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, that promise made by Joel and so many others, that promise that God fulfilled on the day of Pentecost is to you, to the people that were there that day, and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. If God has called you to follow him, if God has, has invited you to receive him as your Lord, then this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you. It wasn't just for a select few. It didn't cease to operate at a specific time. It didn't stop with the apostles or the disciples. It is an operation today. And we can receive, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not just something that happened back then. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This life, this regeneration, this ability, this presence of God, this relationship through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And there are so many times in my life that I've experienced God's presence in that way, often in the most difficult of times, often in the most broken of times. Often in the moments when I had none of the answers and I had all of the questions and all of the heartache and confusion, it's in those moments when I felt God's presence, that he was truly there. God is real and you can experience his Holy Spirit and his power in your life. When we receive salvation by faith in Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that raises us from the dead. And takes up residence in our hearts. God is not hiding from you. God's spirit is open and available. 
He is speaking to you. He is guiding you. He is warning you. He is comforting you. He is known as the comforter. Even in this time, he comforts you. How many of us are turning to the Holy Spirit for comfort in those moments when we feel overwhelmed? He's changing you. He changes us. The Holy Spirit works in us and changes us, transforming us and producing fruit in our lives. Now, when we want produce fruit, we want it to be authentic. We don't want to just say that we're kind or pretend to be kind or gentle or any of those things. We, we don't want to just pretend to love each other. We really want to do it. And that's a journey that we grow in and we develop in as God's Holy Spirit transforms us. Galatians 5.22 shows you a little bit of what those fruit would look like when they develop in your life. And this is not an exhaustive list, but when God's Holy Spirit is present in your life, you can be sure that you will grow in love, in joy, in your sense of peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness, in gentleness, in self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You see, God working in you, this is not a law-based thing. This is not something that we legislate. This is not something that we say, oh, okay, you must be joyful. You must be patient. You must be kind. We all know that these are good things, but we don't have the ability to just simply fulfill them. We need the Holy Spirit. Even self-control doesn't come from yourself. What we need is God's grace and His freedom and His Spirit working in us so that we can embody all of these things, that it's actually something we become. This is something that God does as He empowers us to live lives that honors us. So the fruit of the Spirit. He also gives us the gifts of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12. These gifts are the action of God that works powerfully through us. And I love the fact that they're gifts, not medals of honor, not things that we earn, but they are gifts. Galatians 3 verse 2 says, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? No, when you put your faith in Jesus, God's Spirit, His fruit, and His gifts are operating in your life. And so we, even though we are natural, we get to live supernatural lives. I like to call it naturally supernatural lives. Stop saying that you are just human just a man, just a woman. You are not just anything. You are filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God because Jesus is our baptizer. And so we live in the power of his Holy Spirit. I hope that helps you today. I hope that encourages you to know that you're not the one that needs to try and baptize yourself in the Holy Spirit, but that Jesus has done this for you. He's paid the price. The Spirit has been poured out and you can receive that power in every moment, in every day. God is present with you right here. I want to lead you in a prayer right now to invite God's Holy Spirit to come into your life if you haven't already received Him. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, I thank you that right now we can receive that promise, that gift that was for all that you would call no matter how far off they were from the day of Pentecost. And here we sit 2,000 years later. That gift is still for everyone watching this today. Lord, we receive your Holy Spirit. 
We pray, baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. God, that we may be changed, transformed, and empowered to fulfill your call on our lives. That we can be better than ourselves. That we can grow in ways only possible because of your presence. We thank you for that today. We thank you that you pour out, that you have poured out that gift and that we can receive it, each one of us, today in our lives, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching today, everybody. We love you. We believe in you. Go out there and change the world. God has given you the spirit to do so. And we work not by might, but by his spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. Have a great week, everybody. We love you, and we will see you again next Sunday.